G'day and welcome to Green and Gold Rugby Podcast 196 with Matt Rowley, your sponsor. It doesn't get more nervous than this. Uh, it doesn't get, there isn't more, there can't be more on the line than we've got on the line this weekend building up to this Rugby World Cup final. Uh, and Green and Gold Rugby, as we have been these last few weeks, have been supported by Dropbox. Uh, Dropbox also trusted by 8 million Australians to keep their files safe, synced and easy to share with anyone. But what you might not realise is that Dropbox is more and more being used for businesses like the mighty Green and Gold Rugby, uh, like Bauer Media Group, Campaign Monitor, Shoes of Prey, Bellroy, Suntory. They all use Dropbox uh, for business to help their team members work together no matter where they are or what tools they use. Get your whole team on Dropbox of Business today and keep your information easy to manage and secure with a 30-day trial. Get it free at dropbox.com slash business, getting down to business. Hugh Cavill, mate, how's the nerves? Oh, I was having a chat to a couple of mates about it today and I'm trying to keep it in check. I'm trying not to use just to take it one day at a time and, and not think about it too much because the moment I do, I, I, it starts to all get a bit shaky and and so I'm just building slowly through the week and I think I'll be peaking by you know two or three a.m. on Saturday uh-huh. or Sunday morning. So I'm <laughs> I'm just trying to be measured and take it one day at a time. Okay, I think I could be tweaking by then. Um, and Jamie, mate, how are you? Thanks for coming on again. Good, good. Uh, just super excited about Saturday. Been a a long time waiting for this. Uh, yeah, just super super pumped. Yeah, uh, it's going to be amazing. Um, so we thought to have a look ahead uh, at this weekend's match, we thought we'd start off by actually just sort of comparing the two teams um, and by going through the two, two teams to just get a feeling, because I think we've probably all lost complete sense of any perspective here. Um, how worried should we be about the All Blacks? We all know we're playing the world number ones. How happy should we be about how well we've been doing and how far we've come in a year winning, what is it, 10 out of 11 matches? So we thought maybe just by breaking it down and just trying to get ourselves grounded a little bit and look, who are the 30 guys who are going to run out onto the park? And, uh, you know, what does that mean? So we thought we'd start off by kind of just doing that and looking uh, at those two teams. Uh, So let's start off, I mean, we might as well start from the front, start... Uh, with the front rows. So if we just look at what we assume are going to be, I mean, we don't, we don't haven't got announced teams yet. So I think we can safely assume that both sides put out their strongest teams, uh, you know, last weekend uh, to get through the um, uh, to get through the semi final. And so for the All Blacks, obviously we had Moody, Coles, and Franks. Uh, and for the Wallabies, actually, I'm just going to contradict myself. I know I said they put their best out. We know that um, Scott Seo was injured last weekend. The rumours are that he is back for this weekend. He's not 100%, but he's probably going to be juiced up. 
Um, I don't mean that in a sort of drug yeah, I was going to say. Woo. I don't mean in a drug, a drug cheat way, um, but I mean you know just obviously he he probably needle that elbow. Um, so that's <laughs> well, that doesn't make it any better, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure you put the needle straight into the injury if you're going to get juiced yeah. up. I'm I'm just not sure that's the way you do it. I've been doing it wrong for years. No wonder I never got anywhere. Um, yeah, you definitely need a tourniquet as well. Like that's essential. <laughs> so then, uh, so we've got uh, Scott Co, Squeaky Moore, and obviously Sakopi Kepu. So looking at those two, looking at those two groups, guys, um, how do you want to how do you want to break it down, Hugh? You know, who, it's who, it's interesting. I, I, I've um, been looking at a couple of the Kiwi sites uh, in the cu- last couple of days, doing a similar exercise, breaking down. Um, teams kind of um, position by position. And the one almost unanimous place where the Kiwis agree that, that we've got it over them is uh, the props. Sakopi Kepu uh, and Scotty Seo, both in great form and, and presuming Seo is fit and, and playing to his to his best. Um, I think they're, they're, you know, two real, can be real dominant figures for the Wallabies at the set piece and uh, with their great running game around the field, certainly uh, outdoing... I mean, Moody, Joe Moody's a, a really good player and, and Frank's as well. But um, I think uh, that's one of the places where the Wallabies have got a bit of a leg up on, on the All Blacks. Uh, Hooker's probably a bit more even. I, I'm a big fan of Dane Coles and his running game. And so I'd probably edge him over Stephen Moore, who's, whilst he's picked up his standard as the World Cup's gone on, he's still probably not quite at his best at what what we've seen him at over the past few years. Still a very solid player, but um, yeah, Dane Coles has got that ability to run a little bit wider and uh, has um, scored some really good tries in the last year in the All Black jersey. And, and um, yeah, no, looking forward to seeing what he can do on on, um, on Sunday. Yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of like another back rower, but I wonder what else you give up by having somebody with that pace and, and that youth. Jamie, do you, do you see it the same way? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think... On the day, Wyatt Crockett will be back from injury and he'll get the nod at, at loose head uh, over Moody. But if anything, I kind of like that matchup even more. I think uh, if we can get that Kepu Moore CO powerhouse back together that we've seen a number of times this year, uh, including against the All Blacks in Sydney, I really like that matchup against Crockett at loose head prop. I think that's I a, ge- a genuine Achilles heel for them and uh, and hopefully we can just push straight through them. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see Kepu doing a, another job on uh, Crockett like he did on Marla. Um, he, he, Absolutely. He, he, he's a beast, Kepu. He's really, really strong. I remember, um, you, know, uh, you know, Bob Dwyer saying years ago, you know, when before Kepu kind of made that transition, um, which was kind of when I think really Checker took over the Tars. But, um, you know, when Kepu was kind of in the hinterland and, and Bob used to say, look, everyone talked about anyone who coached the guy or, or, or played with him just talked about his immense natural strength. But then how couldn't they get that translated into the scrum? And, and obviously they've done that. And I think uh, in doing that scrum analysis during the week where I was just looking at how many tricks the Argentinians were playing and where we were going wrong with it, um, just the the angles that Ayurza was coming in on Kepu at, um, and all but one scrum Kepu just basically rode it out, um, was 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 quite phenomenal. Um, he's yeah, and so to see yeah, if it's Crockett, I mean I, I lick my lips at, at seeing that come through actually. So okay, so yeah, look, I think yep. Sorry, I, I think it's good to actually take take now to to look at a bit of perspective because I think it really happened as you say, sort of around 2012. Before then, 
Kepu was playing 50% on the loose head side, 50% on the tight head side, and he was neither one nor the other. And it never looked like he was going to be a, a great Australian prop. And in the last couple of years, he's taken his game to a whole nother level. And he's doing it week in, week out. I mean, he really is right up there as a genuine world-class tight head. And then on top of that, of course, he adds all that mobility and that uh, lovely little running game that we've seen him produce a couple of times. And um, it's just great to see a player actually develop in beca- instead of becoming one of those uh, almost ran stories that you see with so many other guys. So good on him and good on the coaches. And don't forget the offloads that he's been popping as well. Um, oh, the flair, the Sonny Bill Williams flair. <laughs> Indeed. All right, so we're going to say that we're edging it in the in the front row. Um, so then we get to the second row, and there we've got uh, Retallick and Whitelock, most probably uh, facing off against uh, Simmons and Douglas. So back to you, Hugh. How are you judging this one? Well, it's probably a split decision, to be honest. Um, or maybe even the All Blacks edge two from two. It's tough. I mean, Sam Whitelock's been sensational at the line out. And I suppose this gets back to, you know, weighing up how what each player does and um, and their role within the side. I think I think Whitelock's the best line out lock um, in the world at the moment. Um, and so you've got to think he takes a spot. And then you're comparing Brady Retallick to probably Kane Douglas. And look, both fantastic players on their day. I'd probably edge towards Vitalik, given he's got a, a pretty good track record and started to get into some form in the last two games and uh, is really hitting his straps. But, um, uh, yeah, I think the All Blacks definitely take the second row. But, you know, Simmons, Simmons and Douglas certainly aren't far behind and on their day uh, can play better than those two for sure. Uh, Jamie, anything different than that? No, not really. I think um, our line-out specifically is going to be one of the areas that the All Blacks will have drawn a big circle around on the whiteboard and and uh, and highlighted as a target area. They've got just a superb defensive line out with Reed and Whitelock and Retallick together, three really good jumpers. And we're gonna we're gonna have to be absolutely on the money there to to be competitive. And they've got a great locking combination. There's no doubt about it. You know, really have led a reinvention of what we expect locks to do in the game. Okay. Um, so the All Blacks probably shading us in the second row. Let's move on to the back row. Uh, it was Kano, McCaw and Reed last weekend up against the Fardy Pooper. Um, it's, uh, this is quite momentous. I think everyone's seeing this as being just a massive face-off between these two. Can you call, can you call someone with ascendancy in this one, Jamie? Yeah, we have it. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I think it's funny. The, the, the Kiwi press is talking about the last match for the greatest player of all time. I'm not even sure he's the greatest guy in his position on the field on the day. I mean, Pocock's just, he's just been surreal, uh, this competition. Uh, anyone who's seen him in Super Rugby will, will have known that this was coming, will have known that his comeback from two knee reconstructions was, was well underway. And it's, again, it's a credit to him and a credit to everyone who's worked with him to get him back to this point. But I think I think he's the guy that the All Blacks are scared of. He's the one that they're waking up in the middle of the night, you know, having nightmares about Saturday. Um, he's he's just he's just the beast of their nightmares. Um, and then we've got Fadi, who's in, you know, the best form of his life at six. Uh, and Hooper at seven, who strangely has had a slightly quiet tournament. He certainly hasn't dominated a match in the way we've seen him dominate before but 
Uh, he's never had trouble getting up for the All Blacks, so we we better hope that he's uh, he's going to spring out a big one. Mm, Hugh. Um. Yeah. Look, I, I think. Come on, Hugh. Come on, on Hugh. Get, get with the good side. <laughs> it's. I, I think if you were to judge it on class, then the All Blacks get it. If you were to judge it on form, I think we get it. Um. I think there's. Uh, Fardy is playing the best rugby of his career. Um. David Pocock's David Pocock. Michael Hooper. Um, I think, Jamie, one of the reasons why he, he's sort of taken a step back, I, I think it's just he's surrounded by Fardy and Pocock and he's probably had to change his game a little and the team doesn't rely on him as much, which is probably a good thing and, and gets him, you know, hitting those wider channels and uh, making those big hits. It, Yeah, look, I'll, I'll give it to us, but that's blind parochialism really talking. I think on the day, that's, you know, it could be where the game's won and lost. Both teams have got the potential to be able to to, um, to really dominate Uh is Kieran Reid and Lucian McCaw a little bit over the hill, Jerome Kano? Um, I think in hindsight, will be a, you know, uh, after the game, we might be looking back and saying, yes, they were. Um, but maybe we'd be saying, no, you know, they're, they're in their prime and, and what were we thinking? So I hope it's hope it's the former. They're all past it. What Aussies <laughs> win. All righty. So let's move, let's, um, let's move to nine and ten then. So that's going to be uh, Smith and uh, some guy called Dan Carter. Um, up against uh, Bernie Foley. I think I saw somebody on Twitter lobbying that he now takes the name Bernie, um, uh, obviously with uh, Will Gagne or Sanchez. Uh, Hugh? Um, oh, yeah. Look, I'd say Smith and Foley are the two form players at the moment. Dan Carter is starting to get back to his form where he was you know, five or six years ago. But Bernard Foley is playing the rugby of his life um, at the moment. If you broke it down, I'd say Dan Carter's probably a more reliable goal kicker. Um, you know, would I pick him? Probably on class, yet, yeah, but geez, Foley, Foley's coming good. I mean, this is a common theme with me, isn't it? I'm just hedging my bets continuously. Um, <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm taking Aaron Smith and I'm taking Bernard Foley. Oh, geez. So Bernard Foley chosen over Dan Carter. Jamie, can you bring yourself to that? Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. This is going to be comments board mayhem then, isn't it? Shit. Um, I've got to, I might have to reconsider. <laughs> <laughs> it's out there, mate. They've heard it Oh, anyway. no, no, no. Foley, I've got to say, every you've got to give the caveat. Oh, no, Foley. But, of course, if he's kicking well and if he, all of this happens... No, no, you're not going to know, mate. You? You're going to now. Aren't you, aren't you going with um, Aaron Smith and Quade Cooper? I heard that's what you were going to say before. <laughs> Quade's on the bench, of course. <laughs> oh, he's much better than the other two. We'll get yeah. more, we'd, get, we'd get more tries that way. Um, so I've got you down for Smith and Foley, Hugh. Uh, Jamie? Yeah, look, I think Smith and Carter are the, the, the better combination. Um, I think Carter has has really struggled the last couple of years to put it all together. I mean, before this World Cup, he hadn't actually played three consecutive test matches since 2012. Um, which tells you a lot about how many little injuries he's had, how many rests he's needed and all the rest of it. But Aaron Smith, no such problems. I mean, he's just an extraordinary player, beautiful, slick service, uh, and a a fantastic high-speed running game, uh, great kicking. I mean, really, he is the complete scrum half. Um, You know, it's it's, it's hard to imagine scrum halves playing better than, than... and we've seen him play on a few occasions, unfortunately, against us. Um, as for our guys, I think you're right. You know, Foley needs to kick his goals. That's true. 
And I think Genie is playing okay without setting the house on fire. I mean, I think one of the really frustrating things about watching him play is one, of course, his box kick that has seemed to become just a charge down magnet and no doubt Retallick and, uh, and Reed will be all over that. But it's also the fact that we know he can play so much better. He's so obviously not the player he was three years ago. And you're seeing the same body, you're seeing the same face, but the, the it's, it's not as good a model, you know, it's, it's like having a new car that's now not new anymore. And, you know, you know, he's not making those incredible match changing 50 meter runs all on his own. Like we haven't seen that at all in the last two years, like zero, it's just evaporated from his game. And, you know, he's clearly guys on the decline, but still good enough to, to have the spot. Uh, and I'd love to see him bring it back. I mean, he's known for those big, big plays in big, big matches. And I'd love to see him bring one back just for his last ever game. You'd have to think this is going to be. Yeah, he's a bit of a shadow of his, well, he's not a shadow of his former self, but he's certainly lost that little bit of zip, hasn't he, Jamie? And and it, yeah, he's he's done really well this World Cup, I've got to say. His passing's been just just really on point. He His game management's been great. Uh, he's just been generally underrated, but he, he reminds me a bit of an old golfer, you know, where they're not hitting their 300-yard drives anymore, just needling the ball around a bit, relying on the old wiles, the old, you know, the short game, the chipping and the putting. And that's Will Genia, you know, in a rugby sense. He's not making those little zippy darts. He's not dumbing and scoring tries, but he's just getting around. He's making a couple of telling little contributions and 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 steering steering the team around well. Um, yeah, he's he's done well, Genia, much better than you'd you'd, you'd think uh, he would do sitting in sort of April or May when when his form for the Reds was pretty down. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, I. I sorry, can, can I just one hmm. quick final comment? I think he Mate, has do, been do playing you quite hang up well. That? Um, no, you, you got to pick up. No, like, fine, just, <laughs> I feel like, you know, yeah. You're superfluous. Um, yeah, look, I think he has been playing quite well. I would love him to get rid of those. Uh, any idea of kicking when you're in the opponent's half? You know, he does these little around-the-corner hook kicks. Uh, we saw one against uh, Argentina that went out on the full. I just think when you're on the on the run, you've got the ball in the opponent's half, let's keep it. Like, I think that's the way to beat the All Blacks is just to really stretch them, but... All right, I'm done with my Sanchez coverage. Yeah. Excellent Sanchez. Well, look, cutting through all the waffle from you two there, um, I'm recording... Perceptive and, analysis, and, yeah. and, and what And what I've been doing, actually, is I've been, A, noting who's been winning sort of the combos, but also the split of players. So, so far in the front row, I had uh, two, two uh, out of the three for, for the Wallabies, one for the ABs. In the second row, it was two for the ABs. Um, in the back row, I heard, I heard a split decision, maybe. Um, so 2-1 um, to the Wallabies. Uh, in the 9-10s, I'm hearing 2 to the ABs. So let's move on and let's see how this uh, pans out, though. So I think I've, that's got the ABs ahead by 2 at the moment. The centres, 12 and 13. Um, so we're talking Ma Nonu and, uh, and Smith against, obviously, uh, Gitz, the Centurion. And a TK. Uh, what are you going to say about this one, Jamie? Uh, I'll let you you go, Matt. You go first. Well, look, I I know people. Um, you know, Nonu has just continued to develop as a specimen. Um, his his game, he's kept that power, yet probably grown a lot of uh, subtlety. Um, I'd probably, I mean, look, Gitz has also had. You know, I think for us, he's been massive. 
um, in in the solidity he's he's brought uh, to that position. Um, but I've got to say, in terms of just athleticism and the threat that he brings, uh, I think Nonu probably shades that one. Um, Smith against TK. I think Smith's been, in my mind, fairly quiet for what I've seen. Um, I think he's kind of relying... Your, your comment about Genia is kind of played out here really i think he's relying on what he can get away with versus i think Tavita, especially when he has a you know when he he's really has a good game and i what a lot of people don't see is how much he puts in at the breakdown i think he's just his physicality is is just so important so i'm going to go with a split decision on that one um one either way so, so back to you jamie yeah, I think I think you're totally right. Those fantastic articles that Force Fan puts up on the Ruck stats have really illuminated how important Tavita Kudrani is to our overall defensive pattern, both in the tackle and in the Ruck. I mean, extraordinary performance from him. Look, I think Nonu and Smith have the runs on the board. They're very effective as a combination, and the backline is essentially built around what will work for them. Um, so they'd be perhaps the least transplantable players into our team. Um, but I, my vote is for them, begrudgingly, begrudgingly. Okay. Um, and Hugh, which way would you go on that one? Uh, Nonu and Smith. I love Martin Nonu. He's one of my, one of my favourite players, and he's the one of this All Bucks I'm going to miss if, if he retires. Um, the way he's transformed himself over the years from a you know, pretty one-dimensional sort of winger into a the world's best 12 with a distribution and kicking game, but destructive power. Um, he holds the key to Saturday. Um, for me, if he can, if, if, if we can limit his space and get up in his face and, and make uh, him force some errors, then we're well on the way to winning the game. But if he can get a bit of a uh, head of steam up and get some confidence up, then the game's as good as lost. And if the All Blacks win the game, I guarantee you Martin will be scoring a try. That's That's my... Big prediction of the podcast. Um, yeah, all right. Chalk it up. Get it down. Um, yeah, put okay. that one in your Dropbox. <laughs> um, the new catchphrase. <laughs> okay. So um, that's a terrible insult. Just a terrible insult. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what you actually said there, Jamie, but I'm 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 putting that one down as a one all. Uh, yeah, I, I went I went Nonu and Smith as well. Oh, uh, you went Smith as well. Yeah, oh, bastards, kind of outvoting me. Um, Okay, so then let's move on to the wings. Uh, we've got Milner, Scudder, and Sevilla against. Now, look, I think we can only assume it's the last, same as last weekend. I know we were having a bit of a chat beforehand uh, with Horn being fit again. Um, is he in contention? But I believe he was fit last week and didn't get chosen. So I think we can probably choose, uh, assume it's going to be Drew Mitchell and Adam Ashley Cooper. Out of those lineouts, lineups, Hugh. Um, I am, again, going a bit of a split decision here, taking um, Julian Sevilla and Adam Ashley Cooper on the wings. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's tough. Uh, on paper, I'm, I, I think Israel Falau, but if he's playing on one leg, then I've got to say I've got to take Ben Smith. Well, that's fullback. I'm leaving that separate, mate. Oh, I'll, sorry. I thought I'll, we were doing I'll, back keep, three. Keep you, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm just talking wing, wingers just for now. Okay. Um, well, look, Sevilla and Ashley Cooper. I love Milner Scudder. But um, Ashley Cooper's got the runs on the board this World Cup. He's a sensational finisher, really underrated what he brings to our back line. Um, and Julian Savi is just a beast. And the form he was in against France is really worrying if he can replicate it. I, I'm not sure he can, but... Hmm. I, th- um, I thought that was just flat track bully myself. But, uh, Jamie? 
Yeah, I agree with all of that. Sevilla and Ashley Cooper, and I thought Sevilla's form against France was, well, we've, we've already laid into the French for how awful they were. Um, so let's do it again. They were fucking awful. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a pretty easy decision. I think it's going to be really important on Saturday that we restrict the opportunities that Milner Scudder has just to get his hands on the ball. I think I think we need to keep the ball. It's, it's really that simple. Um, because if you give him enough opportunities, he'll break open the line. He's got little jet shoes and magic feet, that little bastard. Um, but, yeah, Sevilla and Ashley Cooper. Okay. Well, look, I'm going to go... I'm, I'm going to butt against you guys. Um, yes, Ashley Cooper. You know, in a World Cup final, um, I don't know if Sevilla, on what I've been seeing in this World Cup, is is who I'd choose. And I know probably everyone would gasp at that. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a bit of a needling game. I think defence is going to be really tight. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Look, I think uh, Drew Mitchell, we've seen, he's, he's been having some great big game moments and he's got that kick. Um, uh, sorry, he, he can kick. He's got that fullback sensibility. Whereas I think Surveyor is, you know, if anything, a little bit of a liability with the ball going behind him. Uh, so uh, anyway, if it was my choice, I would have said actually that the Aussies shaded it on the wings. But you guys have outvoted me, so it's one apiece there. Which brings us down to fullback. Um, assuming it's Izzy Falau now. We don't know for sure. Um, I think there's some rumours that there's a, still a concern over his ankle. Uh, but, you know, you can only go off what you've seen so far. Who are you going to choose? So, Hugh, I'll let you finish off. I think, where, 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 where had you got to on that one? Oh, look, I, I choose Ben Smith only because Falau's injured or certainly playing not at his capacity. Um, if you'd asked me before England, it would have been Falau. Um, early this year, Falau. I think Falau's a better player, but um, just um, Smith is also a fantastic player. And, and so if Falau's not fit, then I'm taking Ben Smith. Jamie? Yeah, same and for the same reasons. Okay, so I've got to put down... All right, so I'm putting down another mark here for the, for, for the All Blacks. So look, um, if I uh, count those up then, because I've split them out into uh, uh, positions... Um, and even if I if I don't think it really changes it, if I split them out any other way, um, altogether then the Wallabies uh, racked up six and the All Blacks um, racked up obviously nine points. Guys, so... Really? Yep. Oh, I want to recount. I want to recount. You can't, you can't, you can't fiddle it now. It's uh, lucky, it lucky like that... North does... This feels like North Korea. This That can't be accurate. You know, I just... No. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, no, look, I think that's about right. Look, uh, the, the, these Wallabies, you know, on paper, uh, aren't as good a side as the All Blacks. It's, I mean, the All Blacks have got established class. They've won, you know, 95% of their games. Um, you know, there's some out-and-out champions of the game in that team. I mean, it, we're yeah. not going to beat them, you know, on on, a, on, on paper. We're going to beat them by turning up and playing with the same spirit we played within Sydney. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me. I don't think it should worry anyone. Well, you know what, but you know what it's interesting about that? So, you know, it says that it's kind of 6-9, but two performances would sway that. Israel oh, yeah. Pilar and also... And, 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 and Michael Hooper. So and also, it, I'd it, say... It, 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 in, my mar- just in, my, <laughs> in my marks there, so I took down, you know, I think we all said Izzy would be over Smith if he was, you know, if he was performing. And then the other one that I had was in the back row... I gave the Kiwis one of those positions. So, and I think that was to your point, Hugh, which was, look, you know, Michael Hooper tends to step up and he tends to step up against the All Blacks. Is he going to? So if we get two good performances out of those guys, which we know that they can do, that would actually sway it to eight, seven our way. 
Um, that's how okay. tight it is. My point was, I think if you picked the, did the same exercise before the first Bledisloe this year, it'd be three twelve or something too. You know, mm. yeah. I think it would suggest how far we've come. You know, Scott Sear wouldn't have been there; it would have been Tony Woodcock. Mm. Um, you know, just to pick one example. So that's just something to think about too. Yeah, good point. Also uh, worth noting that the I All Blacks think... have named their side, I believe, and White Crockett is out injured. Yeah, okay. So Joe Moody starts. Okay. I really haven't seen will, a whole lot of him. I will also say that if you look back to our last memory of a World Cup final in uh, 2003, the Australian team is a much, much better team. It's just a better team, better depth, better variants of skills, better in the set piece. Um, I mean, this team would really dish up the 2003 team, I think, unless one of you guys disagrees. No, oh God, I'm trying to throw my, throw my mind back. Um... Now, I well, think- well, hang on, I've, I've just brought it up. Let me read you out the names, okay? So, Bill Young, Brendan Cannon, and uh, Al Baxter up front. Uh, Harrison and Nathan Sharp in locks. Uh, Smith and Phil War as the two open sides. David Lyons at eight. Gregan and Larkham. Uh, Takiri and Sailor on the wings. Flatley and Mortlock in the centres. And Matty Rogers at 15. That's not a yeah. bad side. It's a good side. I'm not sure I'm quite with you there, Jamie. I think it'll be a great game. But, I mean, all-time great players in both teams, really. Where are you seeing the big weaknesses in that? Yeah, where, where's, where's, well, I, mean, I think, I think the front row, uh, yeah. you know, Young, Cannon and Baxter would get absolutely dished up. Um, you know, we weren't very much known for having a great scrum in 2003. And, you know, I think we just we just moved straight through that. And then I think, uh, you know, particularly that back three of Takiri, Sailor and Rogers, um, just just not good enough. I think, you know, that league experiment brought in a lot of guys with, uh, you know, not the full rounded game. And I think we'd exploit that these days. OK. Um, well, look, let's talk about then. Uh, I think what we've said there is if you look at the team and you kind of break it down, uh, it's probably the All Blacks who are shading it. And it's a couple of just a couple of positions or a couple of performance dependent. Um, let's talk a little bit about how we expect the game to go. Um, you know, what are going to be the big areas that you guys are going to be looking at, Jamie? What what, what are you going to be looking out for? Which is going to, you know, if you're watching the first ten minutes and you start seeing something start to play out, what's it going to be? Uh, it'll be our ability to suck in defenders. Um, we've talked about it before on the podcast, but the All Blacks love to get as many bodies in the line as possible. And I think in a lot of ways, that's a, a, a pattern that they developed to deal with teams precisely like Australia, who might actually want to use the ball. And it'll be our ability to both draw in multiple defenders and get some pick and drives occasionally and attack around the ruck to try to suck people in. That will be critical to actually establishing a bit of a foundation that we can uh, score some tries off. Uh, that needs to happen early. We can't keep running against a line of 14 people. That's not. That's probably not going to be enough. We need to be running against a line of 12 people. Okay. Um, so I think that's the key thing that we're going to want to to really work on early on. Yep. Hugh? Um, I, I think the set piece is really important, um, especially in those first 20 minutes. Um, the line-out is going to be really crucial for the Wallabies. The All Blacks, as I've touched on before, sensational line-out, and they really dish the Springboks at the line-out there. Uh, I think we've been uh, you know, we've been struggling a little bit at, at our line-out. We lost a few against Argentina. 
Uh, we lost a few against Wales. We lost a few against England. So we've really got to get a few good lineouts away early and get that confidence up. Uh, scrum is one where we'd have the advantage and hope to be able to uh, exploit that, especially if Scott Co starting. If we can get a few dominant scrums early and, and place a seed, uh, plant a seed of thought in Nigel Owen's head that we're the better scrum, then um, it could really be a great source of points for us as the game goes on. So, so they're my two uh, areas to watch early in the game. Okay. I mean, one, one area that I kind of saw, which um, it was interesting. I mean, we all talked about how last week went and, and what a great win it was. But, I mean, one of the features was the number of line breaks that Argentina made. And um, actually, there's, a, there's an interesting clip which is going around, for, obviously from some New Zealand um, sort of analysis show, which um, has uh, Scotty, uh, was it Sumo Stevenson, uh, I recognise Christian Cullen, and some other guy who's a total Kiwi bogan, but seems to know what he's talking about. Um, I, could, didn't, I couldn't recognise him as a player. Um, and that they're just analysing the, the Australian defence from Argentina and just looking up at uh, the shooters that we had playing. And in a really nauseatingly patronising way, they were basically just saying, look, the, the All Blacks are just going to blow that away. Um, so if you've got somebody shooting up, leaving obviously gaps either side of them, the All Black offload game will just pick that apart. The Argentinians managed to do it as well. Um, so, for example, if you think about that hit that you know Pocock made on Hernandez, um, the guy still managed to get the ball away and we know that that turned into a line break, um, which luckily Foley kind of cleaned up. So, you know, whilst making those hits looks great and they can come off if you get them right a number of times, that makes gaps and the All Blacks will exploit that like hell. So I thought that was interesting food for thought and it really did make me think about I think the guys, I'm sure, this week would have had a big think about what that defence is going to be. Um, I think it's unlikely we'll, we'll, we shoot, we'll see shoot defence. It'll probably be more umbrella um, and, 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 and keeping that line fast but flat because I don't think you can give the All Blacks those, those gaps. Um, but, yeah, it'll depend. If, and if they start making those holes, I mean, you know, the likes of Milner Scudder and those guys or even Dane Cole, the, the bloody hooker, um, we'll finish those off. So that's going to be a fascinating one to watch. Interestingly enough, none of neither, none of us have mentioned the breakdown. Um, what are you expecting to see there, Jamie? Uh, I think that's the area New Zealand is really worried about. Uh, I think if it becomes a bit of an arm wrestle, I I think they're they're very worried about Pocock and what he can do and how often he can turn the ball over. Um, as per Force Fans Analysis. David Pocock was securing a turnover last week. Every six and a half times he hit a ruck in defense in any capacity, whether he was the first guy there or the last guy there, one every six and a half times he was turning the ball over. And I'm sure that's going to be an area they're going to target. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, Hugh, what do you reckon about that breakdown battle? Oh, yeah, look, it's definitely going to be one of the most important ones of the game, one of the ones that really defines the game. Um, I'd like to... Pocock getting in there early. Um, I'd, I'd like to see Michael Hooper making a couple of big hits and Scott Fardy getting his hands on the ball as well. But um, it's really interesting to see how Nigel Owens goes with that. That's one of the um, early sort of 20 minutes, what he sets as the standard for the game as it goes on. Uh, are we going to see the attacking team given the benefit of the doubt and the cleaners are able to come in from any angle off their feet? 
or are we going to see the defensive team given a bit more leeway um, and allowed to get their hands on the ball and, and maybe you know use the ground as a prop like we've seen a few times we've been able to get away with that and um, David Pocock you know has sometimes been allowed to get away with not releasing the tackle player so look it works both ways and it'll be interesting to see what um, impression Nigel Owens has got from watching the game so far and how he chooses to to ref that uh, early on in the match. Indeed. I, th- I think from watching last week as well, where the All Blacks uh, persisted with this tactic of putting kicks in behind uh, the Springboks, even when they were deep in their territory and then backing their line out to put some pressure on the box, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that again this week. I think they might think that our line out is an area they can put a lot of pressure on us and that we won't, we're not as dangerous attacking from our own 22 as we are elsewhere, obviously. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see if we reprise that, and I just hope that we don't get stuck, in, get pulled into the game that we did in Auckland and have so many times when we play in New Zealand where we play New Zealand's game. I hope we really keep the initiative and use the ball, you know, back ourselves. Uh, I think that's the only way we can win is by dictating the terms of the game. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a really interesting tactic, and it was such an obvious one from the All Blacks. I guess it had a bit to do with the weather as well, which is that it was pissing down last weekend. Um, while we're speaking, I don't know if one of you guys can have a quick look at the weather forecast. It's, the forecast's good. The forecast is good. Wow, this is unbelievable. for, the, for, for Yeah, I, it's officially uh, going to be sunny on Saturday with heavy smatterings of uh, massive Aussie scrum domination. <laughs> Um, that's an official forecast. Well, that, that, that's good to hear. But, I mean, I think that's classic. I mean, it's really interesting. You know, the All Blacks have this rap of being, I don't know, for some reason they, they get a rap of being great creative players. But I think so much of their game is around, uh, you know, giving the, the ball to the opposition in bad places and then pressurising it and realising that, you know, it's so much easier. You know, all the, all the mistakes are going to come from the opposition while they're holding the ball. And then, you know, you just basically wait for that turnover or that mistake and then you're one pass away from a try. So much easier than trying to, you know, put 12 phases together without something stuffing up. Um, and especially better if you can do it in someone else's 22. So I think while a lot of us read into, mm, are they out of ideas? What's the story here? Why are they putting these crappy little grubbers in um, or, or kicks in behind? And I think that was just another... You know, very calculated move, which is just to say, you know, give it to the opposition and let them stuff it. Um, we'll turn it into a try very quickly. Um, Rightio. So what else is, is, is going on around the place? Now, just talking about Nigel Owens, the ref, um, he's been copying, I think, a little bit of discussion. Um, you know, looking at the numbers, it's not it's not it's never really great for us when he tends to ref us. Hugh, I know you've just posted something tonight, which was uh, something around uh, Nigel Owens' blind spot. What was that about? Yeah, just just an interesting video that was sent through to me by by a bloke who reads the side a lot, and and um, just looking at how Nigel Owens uh, referees contests in the air, or how the Wallabies have been refereed this year at, at that particular phase, and how in particular um, in, in that Springbok game in Brisbane and um, at the uh, All Black game in Eden Park, where both games where Owens was officiating, and and. Um, our player in the air when they went up to take the ball weren't really well protected and actually, you know, the box and the All Bucks used the tactic of sending through a, a runner to take the space of the jumper, basically, and, and to have their eyes on the ball but maybe not be going for it in the, in the way that they should. So certainly Israel Folau copped it on a number of occasions and Adam Ashley Cooper was taken out by Conrad Smith in the air and that was only penalised when it was a clear yellow card offence. So... It'll be interesting to see 
how that's refereed this weekend with Nigel Lyons, considering it was a bit of an area of weakness for him at Eden Park and certainly an area the, um, the All Blacks are going to target. So, you know, Israel Falau's cops it, you know, all year in terms of challenges in the air, and, and we've discussed it on this podcast before. Um, so it'll be um, good to see maybe a, an early penalty or something to discourage those chases coming through and, and standing underneath him and taking his legs as he goes up for the ball. Mm. And while we're, while we're talking about indiscretions and laws, um, Bob Dwyer has come out throwing haymakers on the site tonight, um, using that word cheat about the All Blacks. Uh, basically, the idea being that you know if you intentionally go to play outside the laws, it's not pushing the laws; it is cheating. And you know, it, you, you call a spade a spade; it's not okay. Jamie, where, how, how do you think about this? Um. I, I, I don't like using the word cheat uh, for a start, but the substance of the piece is, is spot on. I think uh, everybody who does not come from New Zealand thinks that the New Zealanders get a get the rub of the green from most of the referees, and there are lots of institutional reasons why that uh, that is. But let's just take one example. Um, Kieran Reid last week against the Springboks uh, was penalised four times, uh, just him individually and a couple of them for repeat offences at the mall. Uh, there was no talking to, there was no captain come out, you know, can, you know, number eight needs to keep his discipline. These penalties are looking a bit strategic, nothing like that, much less a yellow card. And we've seen that with Richie time and time again. Uh, one of the things I really, really like about Craig Joubert's refereeing style is his zero tolerance policy for cynical play. And I remember once last year, probably the best decision I saw all year was uh, someone rolling into a ruck in the second minute of the game with the opposition hot on attack uh, about five metres out, and Joubert gave him a yellow card and said, look, this is a professional foul, whether it's the second minute or the 72nd minute. And that's the way it should be. You know, cynical play, committing fouls strategically should be rubbed out of the game. Um, The problem is that a lot of the refs don't have the chops to make those calls. Uh, And I'd really like to see that change this weekend because we know, I mean, it's just so blindingly obvious. We play them three, four times a year that the All Blacks' favourite tactic of regaining control of a game is to roll all over it in the 22 and, you know, to put the lazy runners between 9 and 10 and just stop the game from flowing. I mean, we saw it from Kano last week. What was notable wasn't him kicking the ball on the wrong side of the ruck. It was actually the line he was running to get back on side. Even if he misses the ball, even if that ball doesn't shoot out, that line leads him right into the, the zone of the nine. You know, he's just there just to piss the nine off and slow the ball down. And that's a conscious tactic. And I'd love to see the referees finally crack down on it. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, look, I, I think the, the thing that's in there... There's, there's a few different issues that are kind of wrapped up in that article. Yes, there's the idea that, you know, deliberately cheating is never okay. Um, and I think, you know, that's a bit of a thought bomb for a few people. Um because I think a lot, of, a lot of people have kind of managed to get themselves into this idea that, well, you know, whatever you can get away with is okay. Um, and that if that's okay, then, well, there is no such thing as cheating anymore. It's just whatever you can get, a, get away with. And I think Bob makes a really good point in the article, which is, you know, if you played golf with a guy and he cheated his ass off and only if you ever called him on it, you know, you know would that be okay? You know, and, and why is that different? So it's, 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 it's a very interesting thing that he puts forward there. And I think it's like one of those things where people are kind of get sucked in for some reason that, well, it's the all blacks. They must be the best at it. So that if they're the best at cheating, that's okay. I, you know, I, I, none of that makes any sense to me, 
Um, and yet, uh, and I, th- I don't know where this comes from is really interesting because usually in sport, you would expect the best team to be, you know, one of the most chivalrous because they're in a position of strength and power. So why wouldn't they be? Um, but in this one, it seems to be, it's quite the opposite. And the all black apologists seem to be, well, we're the best. So and we say, so obviously it's right, it's right. And it's good. I, I think it actually shows a bit of a weakness in the psyche and a dependence on this, you know, I guess, though, if you think about how important the All Blacks are to New Zealand, um, you know, what it means to the economy when they don't win, um, then I guess maybe you can start to see why maybe some of these behaviours come about and certain other things go out the window. Anyway, it's a big thing. It's, it's obviously, I, as, as I sit here looking at our traffic stats, it's going off like a frog in a sock. So it's obviously touching some nerves out there. Um, I don't know if you've got anything to throw in on that one, Hugh. Uh, yeah, Bob's a bit of a broken record on this. He's come out on cue. I don't necessarily disagree with his points. Um, it, it wouldn't be a, a week of a big game without you know articles from Bob Dwyer, Eddie Jones, um, David Campisi's yet to say anything, which is a bit disappointing. Um, and then we've got to dig up someone like Richard Lowe to really throw a cat amongst the pigeons. You've got to really hit these milestones before we can really have a proper World Cup final. So looking forward to hearing what Camper has to say in coming days. I think you'll find uh, Richard will find a way to elbow his way into the conversation somehow. Boom. Okay, so and with that, it's feeling like we probably need to wrap this up. so, guys, final says, um, and, and actually, just before we go, uh, how are we going to be watching it? So, Hugh, are you going to punch through or are you going to give yourself a rest and get up? Um, no, I'll punch through. I'll probably have an afternoon nap. I think really just kind of aim myself up. and um, I'll, I'll probably be at the Royal Oak at Double Bay or somewhere around there. But a mate of mine called me this afternoon and said, you know, a few blokes coming down from the country, they, they want to have a pub crawl through Paddington starting at 4 p.m. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, no, Uh, no, no thanks. Um, It's not even going to matter by the time. Oh, yeah, look, uh, you'd be... You'll be out on your feet by about seven. Um, so I think I'll be yeah, venturing out uh, just around midnight, having a, f- having a few drinks and, um, and then watching the game with the crowd and, and hopefully celebrating on um, once the full-time whistle's been blown before stumbling back home to pen a, a rant for the site probably. Oh, awesome. And then, Jamie, you'll be somewhere quite restrained, I guess. Was it going to be midday or something? Was it, what time is it going to be for you? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll be at the pub and probably anything but restrained, as anyone who's ever watched a Wallaby game with me will know. I I tend to lose control a little bit and and have been known to yell at the screen, and I'm sure that's what's going to happen. So, yeah, I'll be in the pub listening to the American commentary. So that'll be entertaining at the very least. Entertaining anyway. And, guys, I don't know, do we even want to talk about what we think the result's going to be? Yeah. What are you going to say? Oh, we're gonna we're going to do it. We're gonna we're we're gonna pull pull together one of those performances that's built more on heart than brain and put the All Blacks into a nervous position and they're gonna self destruct. Well, you know, I really do think that if there's anything about this team is I really think we know they're not gonna give up. I don't think I don't think they know I don't think they're gonna crumble. I don't think they know how to crumble. Um, they could get outplayed. And, you know, this is a very good team they're going up against. But if we've learned anything this year and throughout this World Cup is that these guys will find a way to, you know, claw their way back into this game or stay in this game. And um, I'm not sure I've seen a a Wallaby team with that about them for a long, long time. Um, I think they've got a really good chance at it. Hugh? Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. Uh, Head says all blacks in this game. I think... 
in these in these big games with that class and that team, and I, I think they really want this. So it, it it wouldn't surprise me to see the All Blacks win, um, and and you know and maybe win by you know five to ten points. It, you know, I, but I wouldn't write off the Wallabies at all. I think we've got a really good chance, and I think we're right where we want to be. You know, we're, we're probably slight underdogs, and we've beaten them this year. We know we can do it, um, and anything's possible on the day. So if we can get some early scores and, and you know go into the sheds at halftime, a couple of points up, then then I think we've got a really good chance. But uh, I just think maybe that pool of death's taken a bit out of us, and uh, we might not have the legs in the end. But I can't wait to watch, and, and I'll be cheering with all, cheering my lungs out. Yep. Okay. Well, I mean, I just, I'm saying, I think it's time to dare, dare to hope, everybody. I think we're in yeah. a really good chance for this one. Um, and, you know, or the cheesy slogan, believe, or whatever else it is. Come what may, we'll be back here on Monday, um, either probably, probably, maybe even drunk if we've won, um, or picking over the bones if we haven't. Have a good weekend, everybody. Enjoy it. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see you in a few days' time. Go the Wallabies. Seven left.